we were introduced to uh, the introducer himself, the first missionary in Andrew, the brother of, of Peter, uh, where we also learned of little is much when God is in it. And last Sunday we learned about the why of missions. Why do we have to do missions? Uh, because firstly we are commanded to finish what the Lord Jesus started uh, in teaching and doing. We are to do missions because people are dying every second of each day. We are to do missions because there are people, billions of them, who generally do not know or genuinely do not know about the blessed gospel of grace. We have to do missions because people are perishing and will perish if no one tells them about the Lord Jesus. This morning is my last opportunity to admonish you and encourage you to participate in our missions program. Uh, we've been looking at our part over the last few Sundays, what is our part or what will be our part uh, on the missions program of this year. This morning I'd like us to reverse the order. I'd like us to have a glimpse uh, of those missionaries that are on the receiving end of our path. I'd like us to uh, read the last words of the uh, greatest human missionary that ever lived on this earth, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul himself. So open your Bibles, please, to Philippians chapter 4. We've been here before, and some of the uh, uh, part of the sermon you've heard me preach uh, already, but it's good to be reminded again. Philippians chapter 4, once you found your spot, would you please stand with me if you're able. I want to speak to you this morning on this matter of an acceptable sacrifice. An acceptable sacrifice. Philippians chapter 4, Paul ended his letter to the saints at Philippi and beginning here in verse 10. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound, Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, 
a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Father, thank you once again for the opportunity to open your word. Thank you that we have this moment to gather here in freedom uh, to open your word and learn from it, uh, have fellowship one with another. We don't have to worry about a bomb exploding somewhere. We don't have to worry about some police or security uh, that will come into the church and podlock the church. We don't have to worry about someone coming in uh, with a shotgun and just spray bullets uh, all around us. Oh, Father, so many things we take for granted in, uh, in this uh, nation that we live for. And again, Lord, we pray that uh, as we would focus our attention on the things of you, uh, Lord, I pray that you would capture our hearts. As was mentioned this morning, all our hearts, where all the issues of life uh, uh, comes from. I pray, Lord, that you will teach us your truth. And Lord, that we would have uh, a, a, an attitude uh, of wanting to apply the things that we will see and learn today. Thank you that you are a God of grace. And I pray, Father, that even now, uh, here in this room, and those that are watching us, and those that are hearing us from everywhere they are at this time, Lord, that your name will be glorified. For it is you and you alone that we seek to honor and bring glory to. For we ask all of these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You might be seated. An acceptable sacrifice. We find here a testimony and an encouragement of contentment from the Apostle Paul. Uh, this is the man who said, Godliness with contentment is great gain. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and in verse 6. Paul here acknowledged the saints at Philippi uh, and their concern for him and their support of his ministry. He testified to them that while he was thankful for their gifts and their giving, he also learned that it is, uh, uh, he also learned how it is to be abased and to abound, uh, to be uh, a full and to be hungry, uh, to abound and also to suffer need. Um, in verse 13, he was fully persuaded uh, that in all things he can do all through Christ and what a lesson it is for us to learn and to follow. Now, uh, this morning, I have prayed and, uh, and, uh, I'm, and I'm hoping uh, that you will have finally filled up those, uh, uh, those little slips, those faith promise commitment slips, uh, for the last time. And in the context of missions, I will be touching on this very sensitive subject. Uh, and many a Christian across the globe have been uneasy, uneasy to say the least, by this very subject. The subject of money. No, not making money, but giving money. Now I say it again, missions need money and lots of it. There is no other way to say that to you. Here in this church, we're budgeting for over $100,000 every year. And we support some 23, and I'd like to have some more missionaries for this year. And so that is a significant amount of money. And so that is why uh, we are uh, appealing 
uh, to you on the missionary's behalf so that we can collectively, uh, because grace giving is fellowship. Uh, it is not up to one man or two to give all of the budget. And so it is needed. And so whilst it is e- uneasy for some, uh, uh, and uh, it's probably uh, something that uh, cringes you, uh, the Bible has got a lot to say about money. I learned from my uh, preparations for this morning that 16 out of the 38 parables taught by the Lord Jesus are about money or possessions. There are 40 verses on baptism, 275 verses on prayer, 350 verses on faith, 650 verses on love, while there are 2,350 verses that related specifically to finances and material possessions. In the Gospels, one uh, one out of every 10 verses, some 288 verses in total, deal directly with money. Both the Old and the New Testament have much to say about how money and possessions can be used for God's glory or how it can literally destroy a person's joy and a person's hope. The Bible is full of instructions about money. And I say it again, no matter how and what we feel about money, we cannot ignore it. It is not something that we will just gloss over uh, in, uh, in the path of scriptures. And so this morning, it's not about me coercing or compelling you to give. Praise God by His grace and His enablement throughout these years from my predecessor to His predecessor and those ones that started in 1973 in a very small place uh, in Nanawading. Uh, praise God through your faithful giving. Those of you that are here now, those that have gone before us, and those that who have left the fold, they all had a part in the missions program of this year. Of, of these missionaries. And so, because of that, uh, and by God's grace and enablement, the church is financially stable. And we are able to support its ministries, including myself as your pastor, of which I am very humbled and indeed very thankful. Uh, so don't get the wrong idea, beloved, that are, because our text demands it. Our text demands that we talk about and speak about money, about grace giving in particular. Paul here in verse 14 onwards was literally re-emphasizing his thankfulness to the saints uh, at Philippi for their partnership with him in the gospel ministry. There are four principles of giving which ultimately leads to rejoicing that I would like us to learn this morning. Uh, Beloved, without a question, one of the first things we need to learn to live as a Christian is that faithful giving is fundamental. Faithful giving is fundamental to our Christian life. This is a basic principle that you and I must accept as biblical truth and one that we must practice faithfully, cheerfully, and without grudgingly. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 tells us, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly 
shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. Uh, so let him give, not grudgingly, nor of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. This should be, beloved, one of your non-negotiables as a Christian. As a believer in Jesus Christ. Something that you have determined in your head and in your heart that you will do for nobody else but for the Lord Jesus as your commitment and love for him and his cause. Uh, no one needs to force you. No one needs to guilt trip you uh, into doing. It is something that you have determined to do for the Lord regardless of how much or how less you have. Anyone can give. Some can give out of their abundance and some can give out of their poverty sacrificially. Uh, as these Philippians uh, that uh, uh, we know of now who gave sacrificially. Now, Paul commented, comment, commended them uh, in verse 14. He said, Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate. That means ye shared uh, with my affliction. Paul reminded uh, them how at the beginning of his ministry of preaching of the gospel to them at Macedonia, and even after he left them at Philippi, uh, and he went on to another place, the saints at Philippi shared the burden of ministry through giving. Now verse 15, uh, uh, we read here, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. At the time, beloved, uh, they were the only church that looked uh, at the initiative uh, to send support to Paul. Notice what he wrote when I departed from Macedonia. Uh, no church communicated. No church shared with me uh, uh, as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only, speaking of the Philippians. Uh, even when he was already at Thessalonica, in verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, he sent once and again unto my necessity. Excuse me. Thank you. To my uh, necessity. You see, <clears throat> more than once, the Philippian saints sent gifts to the Apostle Paul. We now know that those gifts uh, were not enough to provide for uh, as full support to the Apostle Paul. Because he reminded the Thessalonians themselves that while he was there, how he worked for his, with his own hands to provide for his needs and those uh, that were with them. But we see here that, that, that right from the start... The Philippians, even out of their poverty, learned and had given. You see, Paul is not sheepish to call things, especially if they're biblically based. 
His lordship is in teaching biblical principles of giving. Now I understand sometimes that can be misread by so many uh, about pastors and preachers talking about money constantly. And you may be thinking that right now because from the first day of the month uh, until now that we're about to close the month, uh, I've always interjected somewhere in the sermon about giving. Now bear with me, beloved, please. Uh, I hope that you would not uh, continue to entertain that thought. You see, regardless of how people thought and felt about Paul, he faithfully taught that it is proper for a man who labors in the gospel to receive his support from the gospel, just like our missionaries do, and just like what I'm doing in the here and now. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and in verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and in verse 1. Bear with me as I I read a a very long passage here, but I needed to establish uh, a biblical foundation. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we know what kind of church uh, uh, the, the church at Corinth was. And here is Paul talking to this church, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. Mine answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord, and Cephas. Or, I only and Barnabas, have not we the power to forbear working? Who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard, and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock, and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God, God take care for oxen? Or saith he altogether for our sakes? For our sakes no doubt this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing that if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, are we not rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do ye not know that they which minister about the holy things leave off the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. But I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be so done unto me. For it were better for me to die than any man should make my glory in void. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, 
a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. You see, for the sake of avoiding uh, the charge that he was preaching for money, Paul, Paul chose not to receive support uh, from a new church, in this case, was Thessalonica, uh, when he was ministering there. Instead, he supported himself by making tents. But if the funds come from another church outside of the area, he would stop making tents and devote himself into full-time work of the ministry. Now we see that, of course, in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 to 11, and 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verses 7 to 12. Paul never seemed to make his needs known. Even his prayer request. But trusted in the sovereign God to provide. When funds ran low, he would go back to work until God met the need. Uh, Paul must have taught the Philippians early in the importance of faithful giving to support those in Christian ministry. Because soon after he left them, soon after he left town, they sent gifts after him. They would have, according to our scholars, well, students of the Bible, at the time, the church of Philippi would have been just months old. They're not mature, they're not a mature church. The people that were in those churches were new believers. And yet, here they were practicing what they have already learned from the Apostle Paul. One of the first lessons on giving should be that we learn to take the initiative and in looking out for faithful Christian workers who are focused on the glory of God. And the word of and the work of the gospel as Paul was. And support them without being pressured to give. Now allow me at this point, and I said this before, and if you were here, I ask your forbearance. Uh, and, and let me just say it again, and please do not misunderstand me and read in to what I said before and what I'm about to say now. As your pastor, I uh, praise and thank the Lord for your faithful financial support uh, of me uh, in the ministry. Uh, in all these years that I have been, I am humbled and I'm thankful for your support. Some of you have given individually. Uh, some of you have given anonymously. And I want you to uh, understand that these grace gifts that you have given and imparted to me in whatever form it came. It could be a little card. It could be a little text. It could be a little phone call. And yes, it could be a little envelope with nothing in there, just the money. I want you to know that I really appreciate it, and it's been very, very humbling. But let me just say this in love. If you are here and you're giving... Uh, is uh, out of compulsion or based on what you want me to do or not do, uh, then I would rather that you don't give. 
Uh, if you're giving, it's because you see my position or my office as a pastor, uh, as just an employee of the church, or a public speaker for hire. You want to benefit uh, on the preaching and uh, all that all that stuff. Uh, some of you have recorded my messages, and some of you have requested a copy of my messages. If your giving is based on that, that I am just a speaker for hire, then give your money elsewhere to those people that you believe will please you. I want you to know and hear, and please hear me well, I don't do this for money. And, I, and by that statement, I'm not being arrogant. You might think that. And I'm not being proud or unthankful, no. But even when you as a church body at some point or another would so discuss in the business meeting or any of the side conversations financial benefits that will come to me, okay, uh, and if you're not convinced with that, if you're not at peace with that in any way, vote it down. Kill the motion. Rather than me hearing isms in the body, uh, that I'm somehow complicit or attempting to use the church funds for my personal gain. Please don't do that. It will really grieve my soul. Uh, and I believe it is the same for these missionaries. If you're going to write an amount on a little slip out of compulsion, or you feel that you are being pressured or coerced to give, don't. Don't write anything in there. Okay? So thank you for bearing with that. I, I just thought that it needed to be mentioned on my behalf and also for the behalf of the missionaries. Secondly, faithful giving is for the furtherance of the Christian faith. Faithful giving is for the furtherance of the Christian faith. Paul preached the gospel as it should be wherever he was. Uh, sadly today... Especially in these days of modern technology uh, and uh, materialism, many claim to be servants and preachers for the Lord, yet their lifestyle, uh, lifestyle is so, so far from the truth. They have become slick celebrities rather than surrendered clergymen. Uh, so fancy is their lifestyle uh, and their ministry have become that they have turned the gospel into a gimmick. The word of God has been peddled through as just another product line among the so many lines of merchandise in the world today. And that the gospel somehow has been given an impression that it is for sale. Paul made sure that whatever gifts he received were spent for the furtherance and the preaching of the gospel. Paul never focused on money, but men who needs to hear the blessed gospel of grace. He lived by faith and worked for the gospel ministry. Acts chapter 20, 33 to 35, he said, I have coveted no man's silver 
or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered uh, unto my necessities and to them that are with me. Did you notice that? To them that are with me. Uh, he not only supported himself by his own labor, but those others laboring with him. Paul said, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul never emphasized money in his ministry. The only few times that he made an appeal for money, for support, was never about for him. But it's always about others, as I have been doing since the 1st of May. I'm pleading with you, I'm preaching uh, uh, with you, uh, not for me, but for the lives and the families of these missionaries all across the globe. And so in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, he appealed for the needs of the poor believers in Judea. He never used fundraising gimmicks. Uh, he never used auctions. He never used concerts. He never used celebrities or prayer for healing or sell some little idols and uh, amulets or anything like that uh, in exchange for money. His appeals were based on the cause of the gospel. And if we are to give our hard, uh, um, sincere, uh, and genuinely earned money, we ought to give it to those who are genuinely preaching uh, and working for the gospel like these ones. Uh, I know for a fact that many have lost or received less support over COVID and other reasons throughout the two years. And so did we. Some of you have reduced hours. Uh, some of you have lost your jobs. Some of you have many other challenges. But, beloved, can I just say to you, even though that was the case, and you've seen me show you a video of some missionary there who is 27% of the level of his support. In our terms today, the mission board will never allow this man to go out of Australia at 27% support. How are they surviving? At 27% of support. I can tell you only because of the grace of God. But have they left the field? Those that have lost support, have they suddenly packed up? I'm done. The churches in Australia haven't been supportive. No, they stay and are still there grinding it out for the gospel's sake. These are not the men and women that are having to fund their lavish lifestyle choices. They are genuinely working for the cause of Christ in the gospel. Now notice thirdly, Faithful giving is for the future of the Christian in glory. It's his investment for eternity. His treasures in heaven, not on earth. Excuse me again. Paul wrote in verse 17, 
Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. To your account. That's what he said. To your account. Uh, Paul said, I'm seeking, I'm looking for the prophet, not for my, but for your account. Account is an accounting term. What Paul essentially said to the Philippians is that they gave, or what they gave, or when they give to the Lord's work, they are depositing. Uh, they are investing into their heavenly account. And one that has great returns. Not in the dollars and cents, but in the souls of men. In the souls of men. And now many of you have investments in shares. Many of you have investments in stocks. And many of you have investments in properties, commodities, and many other financial schemes. But I wonder, in and amongst all of that, would you also consider investing in your account in glory? On the authority of God's word, the Bible, I can confidently tell you that the returns are excellent. Okay, you'll never lose uh, in your investment. In fact, uh, it's guaranteed by no other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, why do I say that? He said, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, uh, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. And where thieves do not break through nor steal. Uh, and then he warned would-be investors. He said, for where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Where and who would you rather invest and with? The Australian Stock Exchange? Or the Savior Christ who died for your sins? Choose wisely. Faithful giving is fundamental to our Christian life. It is for the furtherance of the, Christian, of the Christian faith. Thirdly, it is for the future of the Christian in glory. And then lastly, faithful giving is first and foremost, and don't miss this one, first and foremost, a form of worship. A form of worship. Faithful giving should be motivated by worship. Verse 18, uh, Paul said, But I have all, and abound. I am full. Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, and what is that? An odor of a sweet smell, sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. The view here is the sacrifice in the Holy of Holies, uh, in the temple sacrifice, in the Judaistic faith that uh, many of these would have understood. Okay? So faithful giving should be motivated by our worship. Paul said, I have received and abound, uh, and the gift you sent me through, Epaphroditus, they were an order of sweet smell a fragrant aroma, and an acceptable sacrifice and well-pleasing to the Lord. 
The idea here, beloved, is that when you give to the Lord's work, as much as I and missionaries appreciate it, you're actually giving, really, to the Lord. To the Lord. Your gifts to us. It buys us suits and ties. It buys me my little McDonald's. Uh, it allows me to uh, uh, buy books. Uh, and so the missionaries, they uh, benefit from your gifts as for their living expenses whilst they're in the field. All of that is true. But your gifts, essentially, truthfully, are your gifts to the Lord. Now, I read a sobering illustration about this principle. If our Lord Jesus decided to be an usher in one of his church, you know what ushers do, they pass the ball and all of that. This illustration uh, gripped my soul. And when he passes the ball, if, okay, this is an illustration, and you would see the nail-pierced hand, would your giving change? More so, your attitude changes in seeing the nail-pierced hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. I reckon it would. I reckon it would. Do you realize, beloved, that that is actually what your faithful giving is all about? It's giving to the Lord. And so, so far, we have covered the principles of faithful giving. But what about God? Where is He in here? Where is His faithfulness in giving back to those who faithfully give to His cause? Well, it's still in the passage. In verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I don't have much time, but notice the source of the supply here. My God and no other. Beloved, be confident in the security, in the surety of the supply. My God shall supply. Shall supply. There is certainty there. There is security uh, in uh, what is written there. And bear in mind, this is the inspired word of God. Every word, every letter, every jot and tittle that is in here is inspired. It is as authoritative as any other word in the entire scripture. My God shall certain supply that is without a doubt for certain. Thirdly, ponder the scope of the promise. The scope of the promise. All. All, not just some, all your need or all that you will ever need. Just needs, Pastor? What about those desires of my heart? Those things that I wish I had. Isn't that covered in the promise? Just the needs? What do you think? Well, Let's work it out. Turn to uh, Psalm 37, please. Psalm 37. We're talking about desires here of the heart. 
Psalm chapter 37. And uh, I pray and hope that I won't give you any false expectation here. Psalm 37. Verses 3 and f- to 5. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Okay, that's the basic promise. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee what? The desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Now turn to Psalm 145 this time, please. Psalm 145. It's good to hear those uh, pages flicking along, isn't it? Psalm 145. Um, Here in um, uh, verse 19. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. Missions is good then. Wow. If I give to missions, God will give me my Ferrari. If I give to missions, my Lord will give me a four-story home with a basement uh, that is uh, uh, used for a swimming pool or sauna or anything like that. Uh, If I give to missions, uh, I will have uh, fame and fortune. Wow, missions is good. I'll give. Well, hang on. Turn to another passage. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. And I think this is where a lot of our Uh, liberal preachers forget to preach when they're talking about money. 1 John chapter 5 verse 14 and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he heareth us and if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Folks, you may have a desire, and you may be praying about that desire. Now, whether that's a new home, whether that's a new car, or whether that is just um, that your loved ones will be saved, understand that it's always the will of God for somebody to be saved. But for the other desires of our hearts, the cars, the clothes, and anything like that, that is still according to his will. According to his will. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask him, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. So back in our text, and we know the source, we are confident of the surety uh, and the security of the promise and the scope of it. Now, notice now the standard of giving back to our faithful giving by the Lord. What did he say? According to his riches. According to his riches. Paul assured the Philippians of the treasury of God in heaven. How much do you think, how rich do you think God is? Immeasurable. We can't fathom it. 
Can we even uh, put a, a slight estimate of his richness? Doesn't he own everything anyway? He owns the lot. That's how rich God is. Uh, then lastly, notice who is the channel for which this promise is fulfilled and delivered. No other than the Savior himself. By Christ Jesus. So whenever you read that verse, that my God shall supply all your needs, understand that uh, uh, it is according to his riches in glory, and indeed by Christ Jesus. And in closing, turn to Luke chapter 16, please. Luke chapter 16. It's uh, something, a passage that you have uh, sat and be preached unto and taught. Luke chapter 16, here in verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. After the Lord gave this parable to the unrighteous steward, and this parable really is a, uh, its immediate context is about money. The Lord Jesus said, He who is faithful in a very little thing, that's how he described it, is faithful also in much. He goes on to show that the little thing is our use of the unrighteous mammon or money. If God cannot trust us, if you and I cannot be faithful in the little thing, in the unrighteous mammon, how can he entrust us true riches? That true riches, beloved, is not the dollars. It's the souls of men. Why $20? Maybe that's all that I have in my wallet. But now I've specifically chosen $20. I said a while ago that this church budgets some $100,000 plus a year. If I stop there, you say it's impossible. How can we raise $100,000? $20. 20 little dollars. 
Look around you. If this number, perhaps a little bit more, the management in me worked it out, Tim. If the majority of us would commit $20 a week for 52 weeks times the average attendance of this church, the majority of our budget is COVID. Mm -hmm. Now, some of you gave a lot more than $20. But $20 is significant. You might think, what would $20 do for 23 families? I'm telling you, little is much when God is in it. If we are faithful, in how we use our money to advance the gospel, the Lord will then entrust true riches unto us, which really is the context of this parable. If we want God to entrust and reward us with souls in the mission field, we begin by proving our faithfulness to what, to us, that is a big thing, but to the Lord. It's a little. It's a little nothing. In fact, he calls it and refers to it as an unrighteous mammon. Truth be told, beloved, God doesn't need your money and mine. But you see, that's one of his tests. That's one of his tests of our faith and our faithfulness. Faithfulness in what he said in his word. Now turn to Second Corinthians chapter eight, and after this I'm done. Second Corinthians chapter eight. And after this, like I said, I'm done. You've uh, hear me, for those of you who've been here for many years, uh, during this time of the year, you have heard me refer to this. I want to show you how the believers in Macedonia, those that have supported Paul, passed that test of faith and faithfulness. Here in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 and verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God. That's what giving is. Grace giving. Bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction... The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. They were given grace. Charis is the word there. Graciousness. That manner, that act, that divine influence upon the heart, which then is reflected in their lives. It starts from here. The gift, the grace, that joy in liberality. It was God who bestowed the grace upon them. And it's still the same God that bestows grace upon you and I. Now the grace that was bestowed upon them was not meant to be stowed. It's meant to be shared. And then in verse 2, 
understand that they were in affliction. Now the inspired word again said much affliction. Okay? They were in great trial of affliction. Not just poverty, but deep poverty. But notice how these people gave. They abounded unto the riches of their liberality. They were in great affliction. They are in deep poverty. But the standard of their giving is liberal. Now you work that out. Here in Australia, we are pretty shielded from poverty, are we not? And I know there's a lot of talk about cost of living, the surging petrol prices, the electricity prices, and uh, fruits, and uh, all of these are all increasing. And, and yes, we, uh, we know of people that are having hardships. We see people that are homeless. I don't understand why in a nation like Australia, but anyway. We haven't really been exposed to deep poverty in this nation. That's happening in some third world country today. Now even though the pandemic, while the rest of the world were struggling, we had job keepers. So generous, in fact, for some that they don't want to go back to work anymore. It wasn't asked. It was given. Generously. Let me ask you, perhaps this is not applicable to all of us here. Perhaps there were times in your lives that your budget is in the red. Sounds familiar? What you have is less than what you need to pay for. You're in the negative. Now perhaps for many of you, you haven't been into that position. You must make ends meet, right? But here's a principle. When those happen in our lives, we normally either increase our income and decrease our cost. Again, it's just in me. You can't always increase your income because you're uh, on salary. So you will decrease your costs. And in a budget that is negative, the first thing that you would let go are those things that are not important. Those things that you don't put value on. Those things that you would call expendable. I want you to remember this principle. If in those times, and looks like we're heading for some tough times. The first thing that you will cut is your giving to the Lord. You have just proven one thing in your heart. You do not value the Lord as much as you think. If he's the first one to go out of the budget, you've just proven how you value your savior can't sacrifice the coffee can't sacrifice the clothes can't sacrifice the car oh, but the Lord will understand my giving and he will he always does because he knoweth our frame that we are dust 
He knows that we are a people that have a weak faith. He will not zap you with the lightning and thunder from heaven. But there was a time that he did in the book of Acts. Don't lie until you're given. What does the Bible say? As you purpose in your heart. So I leave you with this thought. If he is the first one that we take out out of our budget, is that then our value of the one who died at the cross so that you may live? I hope that's not how you value the Lord. I hope that is not how you value his workers. I hope that you would value him more than anything in your life.